joy of being a part of this movement that we call the Presbyterian Church in America, part of being a part of a presbytery called the Nashville Presbytery, is the connectionalism that we share with other churches, uh, other ministries, um, partnership, a shared partnership, shared relationship. Uh, Fritz Games is the RUF, Reform University Fellowship campus minister there at Western Kentucky in Bowling Green. He and Brian Howard and a host I know of others around them. Those two guys are the ones up front and center, but I know there's a lot of people gathering around them even as we speak are working together, planting a church there in, in Bowling Green. Uh, Fritz, his uh, primary occupation, though, I know, is certainly serving as the campus minister there in Western Kentucky. It's a joy, always is a joy, to have him here with us. Some of you were with us the last hour when uh, he shared with us and got a good, shall I say, provocative discussion going on the nature and mission and the place of the church in the world today. Uh, Fritz, why don't you come on up? Again, it's glad to, good to have him here. Uh, may the Lord bless you. I put LeBron James to shame, that slap. Uh, it's good to be here. It is always encouraging uh, to be here. Uh, you guys have a unique position to not only be the church to one another, uh, to this city, but to almost like another city, uh, Fort Campbell. So you're in a unique place with a lot of people rotating in and out, and I commend you uh, for doing that. I also have a guest here with me. Uh, I just call him Dumpy. Uh, Joey, um, I still can't pronounce the last name, but he's from Winchester, Tennessee, and uh, is a, a cadet with the ROTC, and uh, I always see his backside as we're running, because uh, I work out about once a week with these guys, and I'm always behind them. Uh, but our last workout, I was second to last, so I was pretty proud of that. It's true. Um, anyway, we would invite you, if you ever want to come over on a Sunday evening, we worship at 5.30. Uh, we would love to have you. Our services are about an hour and a half. Uh, I need to warn you about that, but um, you are welcome to join us. It would be an encouragement to our hearts. Uh, we're going to be reading this morning from Mark chapter 2. Uh, if you are new to the church or new to Christianity, Mark is in the toward the back of the Bible. It is one of the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, all different tellings of the same story of the good news of the kingdom, of Jesus' life and death and resurrection and ascension. Um, Mark is uh, the shortest of the Gospels, most concise and most poignant. Uh, I would say of all four, he relied heavily on Peter's first-hand accounts. Uh, and you can see that in, in some of the way that he wrote. So Mark chapter 2, verse 13. Once again, Jesus went out beside the lake. A large crowd came to him and he began to teach them. As he walked along, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, Jesus told him. And Levi got up and followed him. I should warn you that that was an entire first point of my sermon, but because of communion service, we're not going there, but we will talk about Levi for a minute. But we will concentrate verses 15 on. While Jesus was having dinner at Levi's house, many tax collectors and sinners were eating with him and his disciples, for there were many 
who followed him. When the teachers of the law, who were Pharisees, saw him eating with the sinners and tax collectors, they asked his disciples, Why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said to them, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Let's pray. Our Father, it does take a miracle today to believe that this is Your Word. It takes faith to believe that the universe was created out of nothing. It takes faith to believe that Jesus lived, died, and rose again from the dead and is seated at Your right hand. It takes faith to believe that You give Your Holy Spirit to equip and grow and to teach Your church. It takes faith to believe that Your kingdom is coming and will come. So give us that faith this morning as we open Your Word to see, to believe, to follow. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. How many of you know the name Amy Winehouse? Okay. Um, if you don't know the name Amy Winehouse, just open the first page of your paper and when they have that little Hollywood section of somebody getting in trouble or getting married, Amy Winehouse is in there about every three weeks. Uh, her most famous song is called Rehab, and it goes something like this, I don't want to go to rehab, no, no, no. They want to make me go to rehab, I keep saying no, 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 I don't want to go. She even has a remix version with a guy, and it's... Well, I have to admit, sorry if I keep getting you there, I have to admit that my wife loves Amy Winehouse music. She grew up playing saxophone, Amy Winehouse is very jazzy, and she loves the music, and, uh, and she runs to it. And so one day, my uh, five-year-old, now six, stole her iPod, and I uh, was walking around the house singing Rehab. And we're kind of going, not good. Um, then we go to church later that night, and he comes in singing, I don't want to go to rehab. I say no, no, no. Um, you're talking about assimilation going back to Sunday school. But um, here's the deal. There's no other way to say it than Jesus is dining with Amy Winehouse and her druggy buddies. This is who, she's with, who He's with. If you look at those that He calls in verses 14 and 15, the first person that you see is Levi. Who is Levi? Levi has a Jewish name. Levi is Jewish by birth. Probably grew up in a religious setting. Okay, Probably went to synagogue. Probably knew the Bible. And Levi has now thrown it all away. All of it. He's not only thrown it all away, he's not just a cultural Christian or a nominal Christian, he's a reject, I reject this. And I'm going way on the other side 
and I'm going to be a tax collector. We won't go into that. You learn this in flannel graphs, but a tax collector basically worked for the Roman government and they bid for the position to get your money. And once they got it, as much as they could get above and beyond what Rome asked for, they could get. They took it. So imagine one of you coming up from this church, abandoning the faith, being excommunicated, working for a corrupt loan shark, and going after your money. Okay? This would be like somebody in the armed services going to be a part of the Taliban, working for them and seeking your life. That's the only way to say it. This guy was a notorious sinner. Notorious. And get this. This is the exact person whom Jesus calls. A sinner of great notoriety. A sinner who was notorious for their sin. It gets worse. Look at verse 15. While Jesus was having dinner at Levi's house, he goes to his house and he eats with this notorious sinner. What happens? More notorious sinners come. Many tax collectors and sinners were eating with him and his disciples. Get this, because there were many who followed him. This should blow us away. This should startle us. Amy Winehouse, all her druggy buddies, are now following Jesus, have him over for a party. He eats with them, and it doesn't even say what they talked about. You know, I'm sure there were a lot of F-bombs dropped. A lot of things that were perverse. How did Jesus handle it? It doesn't say! But He was there. As a matter of fact, this isn't just the weak, the blind, the sick, the religiously inferior, the poor. These are people that we have a right to call notorious. These are people that we have a right to be mad at. Think about this. The disciples were what? What did most of them do for a living? Fishermen. Who taxed them? Levi. Can you imagine what the disciples were thinking? That son of a gun. Jesus is with him? These are people that the disciples had a right to be mad at. Not just one, but many were following him. And then it gets worse. It isn't just that Jesus was dining with them. Look, look at the way that, that Mark writes it. It's almost as if, if he's saying, he's asking the question, who is hosting whom? It isn't so much that they were having dinner, but Jesus was having dinner at Levi's house. It's almost that you get the picture, if you look at one of the, the main commentators on this, says you get the picture that Jesus is hosting these notorious sinners. What's the point? The point is this. He shouldn't be 
with them. And they shouldn't be with Jesus. Jesus should not be with people like this. And there's no way they deserve to be with Jesus. If you've been in the church all your life, you may have forgotten the gospel. The good news of the kingdom begins with this. It's, it's small revelations throughout your Christian pilgrimage that you shouldn't be with Jesus. And that Jesus shouldn't be with you. There are moments when you should step back and go, I do not deserve this at all. I'll give you an example. I'm sitting in the car with my daughter and we're having this real talk about dating. She's actually being honest with me and it's not blowing up this time. And I'm going, this could be so much worse. This could be so much worse. We don't deserve this. Let me give you a, just a, a small story. When I was in Murfreesboro, um, I may have told you this before, I know I've been here to preach several times, but I got to know an African-American um, pastor. He was a bivocational pastor, used to work on campus. Have I told you this before? It doesn't matter. Um, I grew up in South Mississippi. Okay? People still talked about the KKK. I don't know how much of that I absorbed. I don't want you to stereotype. There's some great things going on in Mississippi. Unbelievable what God's doing in some, some areas and some people. And, but I certainly grew up around people that still loved a lot of that. As I got to know this African-American guy, he invited me to his first sermon. I thought it was going to be like 45 minutes. It was five minutes, interestingly enough. As we got to know each other, he actually invited me to preach and have my students out. And then they were going to serve us a meal. I got to preach. And the whole time, it's like this out-of-body experience. What am I doing here? There's no reason I should be here. I don't deserve to be here. If this guy only knew you know, my past, if he only knew my heart, this is crazy. And then God begins to heap it on worse. After the service, they bring us into the back. And there's this buffet line of all this great food. And he says, no, you're not, you're not to eat there. I'm going, okay, I get it now. Y'all finally uncovered me. You know I don't deserve to be here. You're going to kick me out of the party. He says, no, you eat over here. There is a table with, with white tablecloth, china, crystal, and its own separate table of food with people serving me, African-American people serving me. And I'm going, I shouldn't be here. You can understand in verse 16 the religious response. The teachers of the law who were Pharisees saw this and, and they saw Him eating with these notorious sinners and going, something's not right. They shouldn't be with Jesus and if He's a religious leader, He shouldn't be with them. And they asked the disciples, why? What's going on? See, all their paradigms were being exploded. 
You know, there's an interesting application here for evangelism. We think in terms of evangelism and witness with, you know, what's the church going to you know, do? Who are we going to send? Um, what kind of gadgets? What kind of programs? What kind of events? But you know what? When the gospel's changing you and you begin to realize, I don't deserve to be with Jesus and He's hosting me at a party, it begins to change you. And the next thing you know, like 1 Peter 3, people will be asking you about this hope that you have. It's baffling. It should baffle others. They should say, you're not like what I thought Christians were like. There's a church in town uh, at Bowling Green, in Bowling Green, and every Christmas, this guy, this wasn't a big program, it wasn't a big event, this guy just said, you know what we ought to do on Christmas? We ought to go to Waffle House and just buy everybody's breakfast. Why? It's provoking, isn't it? People start asking, what's the, what's the deal with this church? So we stole their idea and now we do it at the other Waffle House. Just kidding. Here, here's the ap application are you confused by grace? Jesus hosts people who shouldn't be with Jesus. Jesus hosts people that we have a right to be mad at. Jesus answers the confusion. Look at verse 17. He gives some clarification. On hearing this, Jesus said to them, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. This was a very popular rabbinical saying, so Jesus didn't just make this up. But He uses this saying to say something about His kingdom. He uses this saying to say something about the nature of His mission. To say something about the character of God. And what He does is He says, there are two grids. You either live out of one of these two grids. Your grid is either that you are healthy or that you are sick. That's it. There are no other options. Your grid right now that you live out of is either that you are healthy or you are sick. Some of our marriages are falling apart and we're too prideful to tell our community group. We won't even go to community group because we're too prideful. We're living out of a grid that says you must be healthy. Some of us cling to our morals because we're living to a grid that we must be healthy. Paul doesn't say you get in by faith and then you live by works. He says you live by faith in Jesus. Here's the point. I say it every time I come here, I think. The Gospel gives you the freedom. This is the only thing. Your work, your schooling, your grids, the world, the culture, even religious culture will not give you this grid of freedom. It will not give you the freedom to say, I can quit pretending. I don't have it together. Joey and I were talking on the way over about junior high. And just like, if we could just go back to junior high, 
And actually, what we know now, we would just kind of say, y'all don't really matter. Think of the freedom. My buddy, uh, who, who manages a bank in Bowling Green, was telling us this story about his friend that, that had trouble walking. He's probably in his late 30s, early 40s, and his walking, his legs were deteriorating so much he had to start using a cane went to Vanderbilt, went to Louisville. None of these doctors could help him. And so they went to this Mennonite guy that people have talked about. You may have heard of him in Kentucky. He's kind of known as the witch doctor in a good way. And he's like, I'll, I'll give it a shot. And so he goes to him and, and he walks in with his cane and my buddy's with him. And um, the guy says, sit down. He says, I want to look in your eyes. And he stares. i got to pick somebody out, so I'll pick out you. He just stares in his eyes. And he says, how many soda pops do you drink a day? And the guy said, uh, I probably drink like six to eight Mountain Dews. He said, stop. Start drinking water for two months. The guy's better. Completely. So my friend goes to him. It's like, I just want a checkup. <laughs> and uh, the guy says, sit down. He looks in his eyes and he says this, you have the worst heart I've ever seen. Well, he immediately runs to his doctor, has all these tests run on his heart. And the, guy, the doctor says, you're fine. And of course, we joke with our friend about he really knows the spiritual condition of your heart. We beat him up with that all the time. But You know, Paul says, listen to what Paul says in, in 1 Timothy. Chapter 1, verse 12, he says, Yet I am not ashamed... Uh-oh, I think it's 2 Timothy. I'm sorry. Actually, I'm in 2 Timothy. That's the problem. Verse 12, he says, um, I thank Christ Jesus our Lord. Do you have trouble saying thank you to Jesus? Are you mad all the time? Irritable? You deserve more? Are you one of the nine lepers that just goes on about your business? There's a deer running in that field, and I apologize for bringing attention to it. There are two deer, three. Listen to what Paul says. Even though I was a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent man, I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. Get this, the grace of our Lord was poured out on me abundantly along with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance, not partial acceptance. Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the worst. Can you say that about yourself? 
But for that very reason, I was shown mercy so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display His unlimited patience. How many of you need unlimited patience? No wonder in verse 17, He breaks out into praise. Here's the point, and we'll come toward the end here. The point is, we shouldn't be with Jesus. And Jesus shouldn't be with us. You know, I had to confront one of my children about lying. And I found in my confronting my child that I started lying about my past, about how old I was when I started dating. Why would I exaggerate that? We don't deserve to be with Jesus. And yet, this is the Gospel. Jesus hosts you. If you get that, if you get that you're a notorious sinner, Jesus hosts you at His dinner. Not because He's just nice. Not because He's just kind. Matter of fact, it's because He loves you. He loves you so much, He would be declared a notorious sinner. Heat guilt. Heat shame. Heat cursing upon. Have you ever felt what it's like to be somebody says something about you that's not true and you just want to fight it? You're like, no, that's not. That always heaped on Jesus. Amy Winehouse was written over his head. Druggy. Fornicator. Pervert. Liar. Thief. And he kept his mouth shut. And he took all that notorious sin and all that notorious guilt so that there could be room for goofballs like us. The Gospel declares that none of your sickness all the blasphemies of men will be forgiven them. As long as you don't reject this. All the blasphemies cannot separate you because Jesus took that to host you. The Gospel declares we don't deserve to be there, but we are. We are through the work of Jesus. Let me close with this illustration. And if I've used it here before, again, I apologize. I don't date my sermons like I should, but I had two students back at MTSU. Um, they're actually in the military now, Chris and Jennifer. And uh, Chris grew up with a father that was not just an alcoholic, but an over-over alcoholic. I mean, he was there to the point that Chris had to raise his father. Chris had to work, go to school. Chris had to cook every night, and his dad would try to get better, and it would just get worse. And, and basically, his four years of being at MTSU, we, we would have conversations and pray about this situation. Well, Chris and Jennifer were getting married, and I actually didn't do their wedding, but I went to their wedding. And I asked him, you know, what are you going to do about your dad? Are you going to invite him to the wedding? He always causes a fuss and a scene, and... He said, you know, I'm not sure. Well, I got to the wedding and the groom and the 
the best man walked out. You know who his best man was? It was his father. And his father was drunk at the wedding. It was almost a circus. The father bopping around, smiling, trying to stand still, trying to hold it together. And Chris looking at the, the, the minister, looking at his wife, and occasionally looking at his dad just to say, it's okay. It comes time for the ring, and his dad goes to get it. Literally can't find it. Chris walks over to his dad and he pats him on the shoulder and he kind of gives him a hug and says, it's okay. And the wedding proceeds. It was the most awkward and the most beautiful wedding I've ever been to. I was in tears going, that is me! And Jesus wants me at the feast. So much so that He would become publicly displayed as a notorious sinner. We pray for us. Lord, You came to preach the kingdom that is good news. That You came for the sick. And You came not just to do some great act of mercy, Lord, but to actually become, to be declared a notorious sinner to take our place, to take the weight that we cannot bear and put it on Yourself so that we can be free to live lives of service before You. And God, may You deeply weave that into our hearts. Would You make continually make Christ Presbyterian a, a, a heartfelt church that is changed by the Gospel. We pray this in Jesus' beautiful name. Amen.